We're in John chapter 12 this morning. If you have your Bibles, go to John chapter number 12. And uh, I am so thankful to be here today. Uh, I don't know if you guys, how your holiday season went, but it's been a crazy whirlwind for me. And uh, it's been an incredible time. In fact, this weekend I had my whole family in town celebrate my dad's 80th birthday and so we had a wonderful time with that till late last night and uh, so I'm very excited uh, for my father looking forward to seeing him in the second service but uh, this morning just thinking about where we are today talking about living for Jesus John chapter number 12 is where we are John chapter 12 verses 1 through 11 and uh, this morning talking about living for Jesus Last Sunday, I uh, had a chance. I was, I was out of town, obviously, Ross, and I'm very grateful to God for our church family. Uh, thankful for Ross. I've known Ross for a long time, so proud of him. And for, uh, let's just go with this right here, all right? <clears throat> I'm so proud and so thankful for Ross and, and just the privilege that I've had to be able to watch him grow up. And uh, he's still growing up, but he'll get there one day. But uh, I am so thankful for uh, Ross filling in and uh, grateful for him. Last Sunday, had a chance, I don't know how many of you are aware, but had a chance to be with our, coll uh, our college kids, and near about 50 of us went up to Atlanta last weekend, and uh, what a privilege and a joy it is to be able to hang out with a group of college students. I'm telling you, uh, our church has some of the finest young people on the planet, I'm convinced of that, and I'm really excited at what God's doing in their lives and through their lives. I'm thankful for you guys supporting them and praying for them and looking forward with great anticipation to what God's going to do in and through each one of them. I'm excited for our church family, for what God's doing here among us, in us, and through us, and I pray that we wouldn't miss the moment. In fact, I've heard it said there's basically three types of people in the life of the church, those that make things happen, those that watch things happen, and those that wonder what happened. And uh, I want to be one that's in just saying, hey, God, use me this year. Use me this year. Uh, I'm excited about the opportunity. In fact, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter number 3 and verses 20 and 21, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all that we can ask or imagine, to him whose power is at work within each one of us, to him be the glory and the honor forever and ever. And I'm just excited about what God is going to do in our lives this year. You know, I, I read this week, in fact, a quote uh, very familiar to most of us. Uh, John F. Kennedy, in his inaugural address, he made the statement that now we all know, ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. Remember that big statement, ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. I, I thought about that statement. I thought, man, how different would our nation be if we lived by that principle today? <laughs> it's got nothing to do anymore with... Anyways... But let's take that a step further. Wouldn't it be something, wouldn't it be something if God's people said, man, hey, ask not what God's going to do for me, but what I'm going to do for him this year. Ask not what my church is going to do for me, but what I can do for my church this year. God, help me to live selflessly. Ross last week preached a message from Philippians 2. And let me just bring you back there for a couple of verses. The Bible says in Philippians 2, verses 3 and 4, Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. 
And God help me, when you're talking about significance this year, I, I don't know about you, but I just want to make a difference. I want to be a difference maker. I want to be a conduit through which the Holy Spirit of God can move in a mighty way. And, and, and when you're talking about significance, significance is found in serving Jesus and allowing him to use you to impact others along the way. And God help me, because a lot of times what happens to us is our selfishness keeps us from significance. Our selfishness, when, when, when we're consumed with saying, oh, what's, what's God going to do for me this year? What's my church going to do for me this year? What are others going to do for me this year? We, we miss out on the significance that God has for us. And I pray that we would not be selfish people. In fact, when you're talking about what will God do for me this year, do you know that he's given his best for us already? I mean, he laid down his life for you and for me. What a great God we have this morning just talking about living for Jesus. How do I live for Jesus? What does it look like just in a simple step to live for Jesus? The Bible says, it, it talks about this story, John 12, beginning in verse number 1. The Bible says it like this. It says, Jesus, therefore, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So they made him a supper there, and Martha was serving, but Lazarus was one of those reclining at the table with him. Mary then took a pound of very costly perfume of pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples who was intending to betray him said why was this perfume not sold for 300 denarii and given to pe poor people now he said this not because he was concerned about the poor but because he was a thief and as he had the money box he used to pilfer what was put into it therefore Jesus said let her alone so that she may keep it for the day of my burial for you always have the poor with you but you do not always have me and the large crowd of the Jews uh, then learned that he was there. And, and they came not for Jesus' sake only, but that they might also see Lazarus, whom he raised from the dead. But the chief priest planned to put Lazarus to death also, because on account of him, many of the Jews were going away and were believing in Jesus. And this is a story, when you're talking about this story, it's recorded in all four of the Gospels. And when you're talking about the setting and what's taking place here, uh, uh, the city of Bethany is just a couple of miles from Jerusalem. And it's only a few days before the Passover where Jesus Christ comes and lays down his life ultimately, which is interesting because when you read these accounts in all four of the Gospels, you find out and you learn more and more about the story. Some of the details about the stories are fascinating because when you're talking about, for example, the redemption of mankind, it had everything to do with the Lord Jesus Christ. He wasn't a martyr. He wasn't simply murdered for the faith, but rather he laid down his life for you and for me in his own time. Nobody took his life from him he laid it down in his time and it's amazing when you read the story in the account of what's taking place here they are gathering together in this moment in the life and in the home of a fellow by the name of Simon the leper we know him as Simon the leper and when you're talking about this occasion what's going on there was a group of people that were gathering together because they were overwhelmed and very much encouraged at what Jesus Christ had done in their life when you're looking at the participants and when you're looking at those that were there Simon the leper would have been one that knows what it feels like to be an outcast he knows what it feels like he hadn't forgotten what it feels like to be hopeless he hadn't forgot what it feels like to be helpless and and, and Jesus Christ touched him healed him 
and, and, and made him whole. So he's, he's, he's got this gathering taking place. And at the gathering, we also have Lazarus, who was raised from the dead. If you remember the story of Lazarus, Lazarus was the one who had been dead for four days. And Jesus came to the grave and said, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus raised from the dead. And as a, on account of him, what, what account? Well, Lazarus couldn't help but tell people, hey, I once was dead, but now I'm alive. And he was overwhelmed and excited at what Jesus Christ had done in his life. There was a gathering that was taking place, and it was an encouraging gathering. They were excited celebrating Jesus Christ, and that's exactly what the church ought to look like. The church ought to be filled with people. We ought to be a people who haven't forgotten what it was like to be lost and bound for hell, and now I'm saved and going to heaven. The church ought to be a place where there's celebration going on. The church ought to be a place where there's encouragement going on. Hebrews chapter number 10 and verse number 25 in the Bible says, Let us not forsake the assembling as some are in the habit of doing, but let us continue so that we might encourage one another, stimulate one another to good works in Christ Jesus. And I think about what happens a lot of times with the churches. We miss out on these moments. God, help me be in the moment. Help me be here. Help me make a commitment to gather together and celebrate Jesus Christ this year. I think about those times in life when sometimes people are in desperate need of encouragement along the way. And rather than coming to church because they, this is the place where you're going to get encouragement, we would rather hide at home and just say, hey, I'm just going through a difficult time right now. There's nothing worse you can do than just stay at home when you're going through difficult times. This is where you need to be. And not just when you're going through difficult times, but when you're going through good times. A lot of times, it's just not that important to me. In fact, God's blessed my socks off abundantly. And I have the opportunity and the privilege to be able to just check out and go and travel around the world. And church just isn't a big commitment for me. When God might want to use you this week to encourage somebody else along the way. But we miss out on that moment. Maybe there's... Somebody here this morning, maybe they're not here this morning. Imagine this, God's the God of yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He's the one who was and who is and who is to come. He's already been to tomorrow, so he knows what my tomorrow holds. He knows what my week may hold. Isn't it something if God this morning said, hey, I have a stepping stone for you specifically to stand on because you're going to need it this week. But what if I were just too busy living life because let the good times roll? It only takes a phone call. It only takes a second. And God knows what's happening. God help me to gather together for the purpose of encouraging one another. I've mentioned before, man, how significant worship time is if I'm coming with a purpose. I mean, what's your purpose for gathering together? What's the purpose for gathering? Being overwhelmed, number one, at what God has done in my life, but number two, looking forward to an opportunity and a privilege to be used by him in somebody's life today in some way. And it's not just about the big things that we do for God, the magnitude. It's not just the big things, but it's also the little work for Jesus. We all have a little work to do. A little work to do. The Bible says in verse number 2, So they made him a supper there, and Martha was serving, but Lazarus was one of those reclining at the table with him. 
And when you're talking about what's taking place, you got this Martha. Martha, we, we, we know Martha. We've been introduced to Martha before. Martha was one of those ladies that were incredibly efficient with her time. I mean, if she woke up on Monday morning and her house was a mess, she thought she was living in sin. She was so efficient and so paying attention to all the details. If her husband got up in the middle of the night to go use the restroom, he'd come back and find a bed made up. She was just that kind of person where she was always taking care of things. And a lot of times, if we're not careful, our perspective can get messed up. And the first time we're introduced to Martha, if you remember the story, back over in the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 10, verse 38 to 41. Watch this. This is the same Martha that we're talking about in the story today. But look what happens here. Luke chapter 10, verse 38 and following. Now, as they were traveling along, he entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. And she had a sister called Mary, who was seated at the Lord's feet, listening to his word. But Martha was distracted with all of her preparations, and she came up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? Tell her to help me. But the Lord answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered about so many things, but only one thing is necessary, for Mary has chosen the good part which shall not be taken from her. What happened? Her perspective changed. She's doing the same job. I mean, she's doing the same job, both stories. But her perspective changed. In other words, what happens to us if we're not careful along the way, <clears throat> the jobs that we do, the work that we do, We'll look around and we'll say, man, I, you know, I, I look to everybody else. And we fix our eyes on everybody else. And the Bible doesn't say fix your eyes on others. It says fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God Almighty. It says fix your eyes on Jesus, not on others. And it's not just on the work. Because a lot of times if we fix our eyes on the work, what happens is it just becomes mundane to us. And we forget the reason why we're even doing the work in the beginning. It's about perspective. So be careful that I'm not looking around in the wrong directions and the wrong people. The Bible says in Colossians chapter number 3, verses 23 and 24. Colossians 3, verses 23 and 24. The Bible says this. Whatever you do, do your work heartily as for the Lord rather than for men knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance. It is the Lord Christ whom you serve. He's the reason why I do what I do. You know, when you're talking about the church, the church just needs to be filled with people who do little works. A great church, by the way, a great church is filled with people who are willing to do little works. I'm talking the magnitude of the work. What happens a lot of times is I, I, I want to be on the big team. I want to be on the big picture. And, and, and what happens a lot of times to a church is there's a lot of chiefs and not a lot of Indians. And when there's a lot of chiefs, there's a lot of feuding that happens. And I'm grateful to God that we have a church that's blessed with unity. But God, help me understand that, man, and not, again, underestimate my influence. Because when you're talking about the little, what are you talking about the little works? Here's what I'm talking about when I say the little works. Things that we don't esteem very highly. A handshake, a hug, ears that are willing to listen, people that are willing to say, hey, I'll take time and walk with you through difficult days. I'll fix you a meal along the way. I'll share the gospel along the way. 
It's the little things that matter. It's the little things that make a huge difference in the Lord Jesus Christ. God, help me, again, not be too big to do the little things. Because a lot of times what happens to us is we get too big for the little things. And if I'm too big for the little things, then I'm just too big. God, help me be willing to do the little works along the way, the little serving works along the way. The Bible says in Galatians chapter 6 and verse number 9, let us not grow weary in doing good, for at the proper time we should reap a harvest if we don't give up. And a lot of times what happens to us is if we're fixing our focus on the work that we're doing, we can grow weary of the work. It's one thing to grow weary in the work. There's a lot of people who got no reason to grow weary because you're not even in the work. But there are times along the way when we'll grow weary in the work. I mean, last weekend, I'm telling you right now, I was weary in the work. <laughs> we were up till 2 and up at 6. Whew. I'm still not recovered from that one. <laughs> I'm feeling my age. But God, help me understand that I need to be about the little works. It's amazing when you look through Scripture because we use oftentimes a different measuring stick than what God uses. It's not, it's not about, again, it's not about the magnitude of the work that we do. When you look at what he does and what he has done throughout history, I mean, it was, it was the Lord Jesus Christ that just took a little boy who had a lunch. I mean, he had a couple of fish and he had some loaves of bread and Jesus Christ said, hey, would you give it? And he gave his all. And he impacted, he impacted thousands of people. Not just thousands back there, but I would say hundreds of millions of people because today we're still being encouraged by his one little act. You think that little boy set out that morning and said, I'm going to do something big today for Jesus. No, he had an opportunity that was presented to him and he just took a small step of faith. He did something little for Jesus, but little is much in the master's hands, I'm telling you. Two mites. What about the, what about the widow with two mites? I mean, it, it, the, the widow in two mites, the, the woman, it wasn't, it wasn't the one that was the millionaire that gave a little bit, but it was the woman who didn't have much that gave her all. And in the eyes of the world, we would say, that's just a little bit. But God said, oh, no, no, no. She gave her all. And as a result, I'm using her to impact many. It's, it's amazing what God will do when we just say, hey, I just want to be available to you along the way. And by the way, at the end of the day, it's really just about honoring Jesus Christ. I just want to bring honor to you and watch what he does. It is an amazing thing. Just, just want to honor you and watch what he does. I mean, I've seen my own eyes. I, I've seen my own eyes. I remember, I mean, I was here for maybe two years or three years, and, and there were some, some lean times back in the day. There were some lean times back in the day. And I remember uh, we had a group that, that said, man, I, I want to reach this community for Christ. And they would bring these little kids in. And they were bringing some little kids in from out of Miccosukee. I'll never forget, I had three of them right in front of me, right down here on the front row. And I can remember whenever we passed the plates during the offering time. And one of those little boys, one of those little boys, he reached in his pocket, man. I'm telling you, he's probably about six years old. He's reaching in his pocket. And, he's, and he pulls out about three pennies out of his pocket. He pulls out three pennies and he puts them in the plate and I was like man isn't that something I was sitting down the aisle I was like look at that little boy man he just moved my heart right there and he didn't just move my heart because the next morning there was a man that saw it happen and he came in weeping said I hadn't been given like I ought to give and he wrote a hundred thousand dollar check a little bit but what God did with just a little 
bit along the way. Don't ever underestimate your influence. Oh, I can't do much. Well, you do what you can with what you got, where you are. And watch what God does this year. It's just the little works along the way. Not only the little works, but the good works. It's the good works. God says this about Mary's work. Look what happens in verse number three. Mary took a pound of very costly perfume of pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair and the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples who was intending to betray him, said, why was the perfume not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor people? Now he said this not because he was concerned about the poor, but because he was a thief. And as he had the money box, he used to pilfer what was put into it. So Jesus said, let her alone so that she may keep it for the day of my burial. For you always have the poor with you, but you do not always have me. It was a good work that she had done. And when you're talking about the works, worship and worth, worship and worth, when you're talking about worship, worship and worth are connected, those two words. In other words, it's only when you see the worth in something that you will worship. It's only when you see the worth in something or in someone that you will worship. Worth, worth. is it worthy? Is he worthy? Is he worthy? It's amazing what we do worship along the way, is it not? I mean, well, I mean what's important for, to us along the way? We're in the midst of tomorrow night's national championship, right? National championship tomorrow night. I don't know if you've even thought about that, but it's happening tomorrow night. <clears throat> Go dogs. But anyways. <laughs> James. Everybody in America is pulling except for those Alabama fans. But anyways, it's, it's amazing. It is, ama is it not amazing? It is, is it not amazing how we can build fancy stadiums and spend hundreds of millions of dollars and we just say, hey, bigger and better, it's wonderful. So that we can play a game and sit six or seven times a year in a stadium. No questions asked. Let the church spend chump change, and it's like, oh my goodness, why the waste? It's amazing how people will schedule their time around games. Hey, hey, let me check my calendar. Let me check my calendar. Oh, the Knolls are playing. I can't, I can't make that. The Knolls are playing. Oh, it's Sunday. Yeah, I'm there, man. Dude, I got nothing going on. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, we've grown so accustomed to worshiping a lot of things that really matter, that we value a lot. I'm telling you, man, you want to know how much you value and what you value? Check your calendar book and check, check the checkbook. Those two are the most precious commodities that we have, our time and our money. Where are yours going? That's what you value. That's what we value. That's what we worship. And Mary was one who worshipped the Lord Jesus Christ. God help me to worship. What an extravagant display. Why? Why? Because she said he is worthy. He is worthy. And it was costly. You know, it is costly. When you're talking about this perfume, 300 denarii, talking about a year's worth of wages, she, it, it wasn't just spraying with some axe body perfume i mean we're talking about some expensive stuff a year's wages because he's worthy 
He's worthy. He deserves my best. It was David that said that. If you remember back in the Old Testament, 2 Timothy, or 2, that's the 2 Samuel, another guy's name. 2 Samuel chapter 24, verse number 24, the Bible says this. However, the king said to Aronah, No, but I will surely buy it from you for a price. For I will not offer burnt offerings to the Lord my God, which cost me nothing. David said, how in the world could I give God God leftovers when he gave me everything I've got? My time, my treasures, my talents. God helped me to give him my best. What will he do in me and through me? if I'm willing to give my best. Well, you know, when you're talking about giving, by the way, it's not a comparison game. It's, it's not a comparison game. We give as we have been given. In other words, it's not looking around and saying, well, they do this or they do that or he does this or she does that. It's about what has God done in me, for me? What's he calling me to do? How's he calling me to give? How's he calling me to live? And being obedient with that. It's amazing what he'll do. Again, when you're talking about those who honored God in a great way, whose names are recorded, in fact, in Scripture, and their acts are recorded. It weren't a great acts. It was the ones that just said, hey, I'll give the two mites along the way. And when you're talking about these acts of worship, just know this, that if I, my heart gets hot and I say I'm going to give God my best, just know this you will be misunderstood and criticized along the way. It happens. It happens. There's still Judases around. Judases, you know who Judases are? Judases are those people, they know the cost of everything but the value of nothing. Judas. Every time you make a decision in the life of a church, it's, how much is that going to cost? When the question ought to be, hey, is that what God's calling us to? Is that where God's calling us? Is that where God's leading? Is that where God's directing? And it's amazing just to watch how God provides for his people along the way. God help me and help us. Here Judas is. Judas is criticizing here this woman's act of worship when he had a sorry heart. It was a revelation of his own heart. You know, it's, it's funny It's funny because uh, when you're talking about folks criticizing it, that's one of those gifts that people are gifted with, and they really exercise more than any other gift that we see at the church. And, and in fact, I heard it said one time uh, about a visitor. A visitor came and, and, and visited the church and uh, said, what do you think about the preacher? What do you think about the preacher? And, uh, and the fellow said, I can't stand him. He said, I can't stand him. He, he preaches too long such that I can't stay awake, but too loud such that I can't sleep. <laughs> you can't win for losing. You get misunderstood along the way. I read a statement, and it said this, and I just want to encourage you with this statement. Adrian Rogers, he said it like this. He said, if you please Jesus, then it doesn't matter who you displease. But if you displease Jesus, it doesn't matter who you please. You know, when you're talking about the story of Mary in this particular story, it's an interesting story. She gave her all. Why did she do that? Because she understood what was taking place. She understood that Jesus Christ is getting ready to lay down his life. And in preparation for his burial, she did what she did. It's interesting because when you look at the story and when you look at how everything else unfolds, 
You know the story of the Lord Jesus Christ. He did lay down his life on a cross and did go to the grave. And it was there shortly after he went to the grave that there was another group of ladies that said, Hey, we want to anoint the body of Jesus. But it was too late. It was too late. What's the point? Do what you can with what you got, where you are now. A lot of times we get plagued with procrastination. There will be a better day. There will be another time. I've got a lot going on. And waiting for a better day when you're not promised tomorrow. I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I know what today holds. God help me live in the moment today, here and now. And give my best and my all to Jesus Christ along the way. Mary did a good work, the Bible says. But then you go on down there and you talk about this work of sharing about Lazarus. The Bible says in verse number 9, the large crowd of the Jews learned that he was there. And they came not for Jesus' sake only, but that they might see Lazarus, whom he raised from the dead. But the chief priests planned to put Lazarus to death also, because on account of him, many of the Jews were going away and were believing in Jesus. An eternal work. God help me understand that, man, there are people that are perishing all around me. And I have the privilege and the opportunity and responsibility to be a witness. I once was dead, but now I'm alive. I, I, I can tell you what it was like when I know that I was living life and I was trying but there was a day in my life when I understood and I heard the gospel of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit of God helped me understand and see myself for who I really was, that I was a sinner. And I couldn't fix myself. But I heard that Jesus Christ, he came into this world and he lived a perfect and sinless life. And he laid down his life on the cross for me. And he paid the price for me completely, totally, in full, on the cross. He shed his blood because without the shedding of blood, there could be no forgiveness of sins. And Jesus Christ paid the price for me. And I confessed to my sin. I repented of my sin and called on his name. And he became my Lord and my Savior. And he changed me. He's still changing me from the inside out. And I'm grateful to God for what he's done in my life. There's a world. The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And how will they know? How will they know? Unless we share. It's about an eternal work. And this year I just want to encourage you. It's not about I'm going to set out and I'm just going to win the world. It's overwhelming. It's overwhelming. But it's the little work. Hey, I'm going to start praying intentionally for my neighbor. I'm going to start praying intentionally for my family member. I'm going to start praying intentionally for my friends that I know are perishing. I'm praying to God to move in their hearts, to open doors of opportunity. And I'm praying to God for boldness for myself, for boldness for others, that we would clearly present the message of salvation to those who are perishing. God help me to be used by him for his glory this coming year. I do believe with all of my heart that God is doing a great work. And I want to be a part of it. And I want to encourage you to be a part of it. God, help us just to be faithful along the way and watch what he does through you and in you. Would you do me a favor this morning and join me for a time of prayer? 
We're going to pray this morning. I just want to encourage you and ask you the question, man, have you ever been born again? Have you ever been saved? It's not about just going to church and being religious, religious activity, singing songs. It's not about all of that. It's about a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Has there ever been a time in your life when you realize, man, I have sinned, fallen short of his glory. And you repented and called on his name to turn away from my sin and to turn to Jesus. Jesus, I want you to be my Lord. I want you to be my Savior. I want to live my days for you. Ever been a time in your life when that's happened? And if not, I'm just inviting you, encouraging you to call on his name today. You can do that right where you are. You can do that at your home if you're watching online. Just cry out to Jesus. Jesus, I'm a sinner, and I do believe that you died on a cross for me. And I do believe that you conquered death in the grave. You are alive. And God, I want you to save me. I want you to come into my heart. I want to be a Christian. Brothers and sisters, I just want to ask you this morning this question. Are you giving God your best? Are you faithfully serving him? Are you faithfully worshiping, sharing? If you're not careful, you can grow accustomed to giving God leftovers, leftover time, treasures, talents. He's worthy. He's worthy. Hey, this morning, if you've grown accustomed, start fresh new today. God, forgive me. Cleanse me. Strengthen me. Thank you for your Holy Spirit enabling and empowering, gifting. You've been good. I want to be faithful. I want to be faithful. Oh, God, help us today. Search our hearts. Search our minds, God. I pray that we would be a people that bring honor and glory to the name of Jesus Christ. Father, I love you. I thank you for this morning. I thank you for your word. Oh, God, be glorified. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.